I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's classic TV and film podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. For an entire generation, the phrase, I used to run home from school every day to watch it, meant only one thing, the gothic horror soap opera, Dark Shadows. Airing on ABC from 1966 to 71, it began as a gothic romance novel brought to life. Ratings were anemic. Going for Broke, producer Dan Curtis decided to add a vampire in the form of Barnabas Collins, as played by Canadian actor Jonathan Frid. Curtis's thinking was that if it didn't work, he could always stake the character through the heart. Well, it did work, and Barnabas Collins was spared the stake. The Blu-ray release of Master of Dark Shadows is a new feature-length documentary on the show, the phenomenon it inspired and the career of Dan Curtis, which would also include the Night Stalker and the one-two punch of the Winds of War and War in Remembrance. Today, we're talking to Dark Shadows actresses Catherine Lee Scott and Laura Parker. Catherine, who has also written a number of nonfiction books about the show, played both waitress Maggie Evans and Barnabas's lost love, Josette Dupre. Laura, who has penned original Dark Shadows novels, played the witch Angelique, who, after being scorned by Barnabas, responded by cursing him with vampirism. Probably the best place to start is Dan Curtis himself because of the disc that's just come out. I've got to know, though, the difference between working with Dan Curtis back in the day and sort of more the revered look back at Dan Curtis from now that the disc is doing. What's the contrast between the two? Well, when he first started out, he was the producer of the show, secretly wanted to direct, but hadn't directed yet. So we were around when he did his first directing gig, when he was, you know, he was all thumbs and fingers and, and you know, a little bit scared. And he, he, I think he forgot to say action. Action. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when he first started directing the movie and somebody said, hey, you don't, you got to say action or the actors won't talk right. and he and I think that what was were you in that first scene where they had the rain with the umbrellas and the, oh I, I I was in uh yes House of Dark Shadows that that was his first uh that was the first feature the one that Laura was in was Night of Dark Shadows which was the second one but I was also on the first day of the of the show right. and uh and Dan then you could tell that he had an interest in directing yeah. because he was always standing over the shoulder of Leela Swift, who came out of the golden years of television, and she won awards for Sylvania and all of those Playhouse 90. And Leela was really his mentor, and he looked to her from the very first day. And then, like Laura, um, we, we did uh, a couple of episodes of Dark Shadows, when right before he was going to do the direct the the film that I was in, and uh, again, you know, it was Leela standing next to his shoulder. Oh, he, he Give a good she advice was. Or? Oh, yeah, she oh. was. She was there uh, helping him, you know, compose the shots, and she was his mentor, which is really lovely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he went on to do so many great things. You know, he used to say. Not dark. I'm done with dark shadows. I'm done with dark shadows. And, you know, Warm Remembrance and uh, those miniseries that he did were so spectacular. And, uh, you know, I guess you'd have to say a cut above being in the studio trying to make horror movies with uh, a fan and a smoke machine. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And a little bit of blood. And And you never would have suspected that that guy from there would turn around and do Winds of War 
war, and war remembrance. Yeah. No, but I think that the the one thing that I hope uh, we were able to convey that I certainly wanted to convey in in uh, uh, Master of Dark Shadows, the uh, the documentary, is the fact that Dan's great strength is that he created a family, and you know from the very beginning, the Dark Shadows actors were his family. Uh. He'd take us all out for big dinners, and uh-huh. you know he uh, he would uh, he would take me aside and say that my skirt was a little too short. It was in the days of a mini skirt. Uh-huh. Uh, Did he, he really? You know, cast an eye on <laughs> on uh, my boyfriends, and uh-huh. on one occasion actually fixed me up. Oh really? <laughs> because he thought I was dating the wrong kind of guy. So he created this um, this lovely. Family atmosphere, and I know that because I, I worked with them subsequently in England and in uh, my first thing in Hollywood, um, that he created that with the Winds of War uh, and every other company he worked with. He created that cohesive family unit, right. very effective, a tight knit group. You know, we all cared about each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Still do. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you too. Those, <laughs> those of us who are still around, you know, we still care about. We see each other every year. You know, John Carlin's now in the hospital. Right. Everybody's been to visit him several <laughs> times. You know. Yeah. It's very touching in, in a lot of ways. You know? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. What, you know, we look back at Dark Shadows now, and we've got this, obviously, this warm nostalgia for it and all. What was it like being in the midst of it? And I ask that because of all the stories that have come out that the show was virtually live. They didn't want to do the editing on the videotape because it was so expensive and all that all stuff. Right. And speaking to the writers, like Sam Hall would tell me when I interviewed him years ago that, you know, Dan was so crazy. We we're constantly turning things and changing things and, mm-hmm. and looking for new and have to give a cliffhanger at the end of every commercial and all this crazy stuff. What was it like, though, in it when you were in it at the time? Well, we were just showing up in the morning and doing a job, which entailed three rehearsals in the rehearsal room with tape on the floor. And then we go down and block it for the cameras and that takes about two. In between your scenes, you'd be running lines, you'd be getting hair done, getting makeup done, and trying to remember everything you they've told you to do in terms of blocking and very dramatic scenes, of course, that involve things like chroma key and, as I said, smoke machines and um, blood and screaming at ghosts to return to their graves and, you know... <laughs> Anyhow, it wasn't sitting around the kitchen table talking about Jane's divorce. It was big, heavy drama, which we played with total conviction. Then after we did camera blocking, we would uh, hopefully get a dress rehearsal. And then we'd go on the air. And every mistake we made went on the air. There was no editing. And... um, there, we have blooper tapes that have captured <laughs> moments in which, you know, the the walk through the graveyard knocked over some styrofoam gravestones or somebody slammed the door and the picture fell off the wall and you could see the, the you know, the the drywall buckling because that's all it was. And, and, you know, people walking through the shots, you know, men, stunt men or <laughs> walking through the shots and... Uh, microphones descending out of the air in front of your nose, and and uh, it all went on the air. And I think it was part of the charm was some kind of realization 
that deep down inside this was being done like summer stock. These were really war actors, and they were doing this show. And, mm. and it, I think it made it more personal to a lot of the fans. And there were so many elements of Dark Shadows that made it outstanding and unique. And there's never been a show like it. Nobody's ever <laughs> captured the moon. There have been a lot of horror shows. But, you know, as Dan said, ours was gothic romance. It was yeah, and Laura's right about that. Uh, we used to call the dress rehearsal the stumble through. Uh, everything, everything that could go wrong went wrong. I think one of my, one of my favorite uh, scenes, lines, um, when I was doing the show, uh, I was playing Josette then. And, uh, and the note was, Catherine, when the hand comes up out of the grave, turn to camera three and scream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was, those are the kinds of notes that you would get at the end of the stumble through. And then, you know, uh, we went live. So as Laura brought up, and I cannot stress it enough, we, um, we, were, we were live. There, there was only, I think, two instances when uh, we had to come back and, and do the show over on a Sunday. The first time it happened, I was, uh, I was in that show, and um, something happened with one of the actors. And uh, everything ground to a halt, and you heard Dan's voice coming over. That's it. We're coming back Sunday. Mm-hmm. That was it. Because mm-hmm. uh, we couldn't edit. We couldn't no, edit. No, could not right. edit. We, we, we did some, it was on what is called kinescope, mm. and uh, this is really old technology. But mm. in fact, w- what it was was uh, filming the show on the monitor. Right. So it was, it was a copy. Mm-hmm. And it explains some of the graininess. And not only that, the reels were literally mailed out uh, to the affiliates. So this, is, mm-hmm. this was really old school. I mean, we, we, were, we were live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was too expensive and virtually impossible to do the editing. So um, the reason, as Laura brought up, that we had the, the blooper reel is that uh, you know, we would complain, cry, beg to do something over, and Dan would say, nobody's going to see this except housewives and kids. <laughs> They'll only see it once. And They'll only yeah. see it once. They'll only see it once so 50 now, years later. So now we have the yeah. uh, the blooper reel. Right. Yeah. My favorite one, I think, is is in the end credits, the credits are rolling, and you're seeing the staircase in Collinwood, and Jonathan comes out in his street clothes, mm-hmm. sees the camera, goes, <gasps> and he, yeah, right. and he, <laughs> he moves, and he turns away and walks off. Right, right. He's wearing his co- he's got his costume on a hanger over exactly. his shoulder. Yeah. I exactly know, right. it's yeah. priceless. Yeah. It's just wonderful. Yeah, no, I love it. Well, in, oh, I'm sorry. One of the actors, was it Louis, that left? Oh, I was there. Yeah, left yeah, in, they, to his dressing room, took yeah. his pants off. And forgot he was in the next yeah, scene. Yeah, the, uh, the the cardinal rule. The cardinal rule was, uh, do not leave the set until you're released. But Louis wandered off. He went up to the dressing room, and I knew his scene <laughs> was coming next. And I and I raced in June. June Paleo, the um, the costume woman, uh, saw the look on my face, and the two of us ran. I ran faster. I was what nineteen twenty. I ran up those stairs, and there was Louis. 
in his undershorts. So uh, and I, 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 there was this panic, and we got him down in front of the fireplace with a glass of brandy, brandy snifter, and he did the scene just wearing a smoking jacket. In his undershorts. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I wonder if that wasn't something that was somehow edited because, you know, Jim and I have been trying to find that. But uh, it's, it's well documented. I That's was great. there. That's great. You know, we talk about the, the – the, it was you'll never see the show again, only kids, the mistakes and all that stuff. And yet there's a whole generation, myself being one of them, I ran home from school every day to watch the show. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, my school was across the street, so I had to walk. I didn't have to run. But <laughs> what what is it – and I know you've answered this question a million times over the years, but I would, I would be remiss if I didn't ask. What is it about Dark Shadows that keeps that memory alive? And that helped turn that show into the phenomenon that it really became. I don't think people realize now how big that show was at the time. Uh, many reasons, but one of the important ones is that we we help kids uh, get through some uh, some really tough times in their lives. Even when we uh, we have our Dark Shadows festivals, I can't tell you how many people come up to me or how many letters I get from somebody saying. Uh, you saw me through my parents' divorce, my father drank, blah, 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 uh, coming home and sitting on the couch with my grandma watching Dark Shadows got me through it. There's, there's also, growing up is, is, is hard, even when you've got a stable home life. And the truth is, uh, whatever happened on the playground that day or whatever the teacher did to you, uh, you could run home from school and lose yourself in the fantasy of dark shadows. I think that is the the reason so many people of a certain demographic age group uh, hold it so dear. But there are there were other reasons uh, yeah. that made that show special. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I have a slightly different take on it because I think that a lot of the people loved both my character and the vampire character because even though they were horror characters, a vampire and a witch, they were both sympathetic. Mm. And a lot of girls, just like Catherine said, or young men have said to me, you got me through my adolescence because you were such a strong bitch of a witch, you know. <laughs> I've, if I could have been like you, you know, I, if I could have cast a spell and sent some horrible person who was bullying me, you know, to some terrible world with a pin and a doll. It would have been so wonderful to be able to do that. And I, and I think it's true. I think that we, we've been told this so many times that, you know, kids saying, if it hadn't been for Dark Shadows, I would never have made it. Wow. And that's, these are the people who are our deepest fans. But, I, you know, I also think it's because he used, Dan used a in the scripts, all the all the great classics of literature, of horror literature, that everyone had come to you know love over over a hundred years, you know, starting with Jane Eyre, the governess who goes to the spooky house and has the crazy little kid to take care of, which is like Turn of the Screw, right? And then you go on to Frankenstein, and Picture of Dorian Gray, Picture. Oh, that's a wonderful one. Yeah, the Wuthering the, Heights. Um, Pretty much every one of them. (laughs) Pretty much every one of them. But Dan used to say, "Look, this isn't horror. This is gothic romance, and it's 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 different. Instead of in your face blood and guts and screams and the kind of thing that you tend to kind of pull away from, you know, it was deep characterizations played by mostly 
theater actors with tremendous commitment. You know, truth of the moment was more important than anything else. Even if you were telling some monster to return to his grave and not bother you anymore, there was never tongue-in-cheek send-up a camp thing, you know. You know, you and I both know this is not real. No, we played it completely and totally with conviction. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the thing that, you know, they, they didn't quite get around to with with the movie that Tim Burton did. No. We'll, we'll talk the, about that in a oh, second. Oh, yeah, but the, but the other thing, too, and, and we're, we're both saying it, is that uh, every character in that show is an outsider, and that's the other great appeal to mm-hmm. to young people who all feel like outsiders. Maggie Evans, the, the character that I played at the very beginning of the show, was absolutely an outsider, you know, uh, wrong side of the tracks. Uh, her mother died when she was very young. Her father was an alcoholic. Uh, and she was competing with the rich kids in town. And the boy that she had her eye on uh, was, you know, snatched by the, the rich girl up on the hill. Um, all of those things that uh, we told in, you know, old-fashioned bodice ripper style uh, really uh, go to the heart of what it's like to be a, uh, you know, a kid, a, yeah. a teenager. Also, we had a generation that was smoking a little grass. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, and, you know, uh, maybe falling asleep at four in the morning, waking up right about the time that this television show that kind of matched their fantasies was on the air. I hope you're talking about college kids. Let's oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. hope it's not the little kids. Yeah. And then we had housewives. Right. Yeah. Housewives, hordes and hordes in love with a Shakespearean actor who couldn't remember his lines. Oh, my God. <laughs> who played the part of a monster who was a sympathetic, guilt-ridden mysterious but miserable person who had been cursed into this ungodly state and all he wanted to do was get out of it. The last thing he wanted to do was bite anybody. Mm-hmm. And then we had the you know, the Procter & Gamble lady in the green room watching to make sure that there wasn't too much blood. Because <laughs> of course. The, Do you remember because what was she was little, called? Yes. The standards and practices. That's right, yeah. <laughs> So when the vampire, and then we also, if a man bit a woman, of course he bit her on the neck. And it was very sexual, actually. But if a man bit a man, he had to bite him on what? The finger? Well, the, oh, wrist. the wrist. The wrist. Right. The wrist. That's right, exactly. Yeah. Well, no. the wrong idea. I mean, no. <laughs> no, you see how much the world funny. has changed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it was... Uh, <laughs> it was no, we really, we really broke ground with that show. There's no question about it. Nobody else, frankly, I'm, I'm thoroughly biased, but nobody else got it right. Mm-mm. Absolutely, no, Not they yet. didn't. No, yeah. You also, guys, one of the things I think was so innovative about the show, and again, I don't think it gets the credit for it now that it probably did then, was taking your cast and say, "We're going to go to 1795, and everybody's going to play ancestors oh, or different mm-hmm. characters." Do you know how that happened? So innovative. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you that really uh, a, a quick story because it, it happened because um, they. I came to the studio one day and uh, and I saw our producer uh, Bob Costello and and June Pleo, the costume woman, working with this clothes dummy, putting a. a, a a dress on her and a wig and she had fright makeup on and so on 
And um, green light, and she was on a dais. They were filming it, and I said, what's that? And they said, well, that's the ghost of Josette Dupre, which had to do with that that mysterious portrait that right. suddenly appeared over the, the mantelpiece. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they said, what do you think? And I said, well, I think it looks like a clothes dummy. And so for that, I got to stand in for the dummy at no extra pay. Of course. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and so Vinny Lascalzo, the makeup man, put this on me and the costume and whatnot. And I got up there. And because the fan was blowing in my face, my eyes watered, I held my arms up. And, and it was so effective that Dan said uh, that he wanted me to play Josette. And ABC said, you can't have the same actress play two different roles. And Dan said, why not? Why not? And, uh, and he always said that. That was his answer. And, and uh, he said, the, I'm going to trust the audience to follow this. And they did. Suddenly, yeah. there's mm-hmm. Maggie Evans transformed into you know, the, the 1795 Josette, and then everybody followed. I mean, uh, Angelique and Barnabas, uh, everybody played three, four different characters. I ended up playing four. Laura, you played how many? Oh, probably about three or four, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like a repertory company. Though. Absolutely. So, you know, it's very endearing to the audience to get to see actors playing different roles. I mean, it was just one of the, one of the many, many charms of the show. And um, very smart on his part. Also, when you died, you'd be going, this is my last day. No, Don't worry. You'll come back. You'll be back. You'll be back. Because your character is so popular. You'll be back in some other form. And And that's actually how Laura and I got to play those first scenes as Angelique and Josette. Right. Uh, Speaking French. Yes. You came on the show when? December, which... About six months. Six months, that's right. And so it was It was six months later, uh, and I was on the very first day that uh, Jonathan came on the show, and and that was our turnaround. Uh, that was when that was when the ratings took off, because mm-hmm. those first 13 weeks were really rocky. And uh, But the show was yeah. very good in the beginning. It, it was, just didn't take it didn't off. Audience, yeah, though. it didn't. It didn't it's awesome. really, if you go back and watch those early shows, oh, yeah. it, it was subtle. And more intellectual and more sophisticated. Oh, yeah. And we had Mitch Ryan on yeah. and yeah. and some of those. The, the and we had John Bennett, you know. Oh, gosh. Our uh, movie star. Mm-hmm. But when uh, when Jonathan came on, he, he arrived in a character fully formed. I've never seen anything like it. And mm-hmm. he showed up with the... You know the the spiked hair and the, and the uh, wolf head cane, the cape, everything that we came to know is as Barnabas uh, was there. Yeah. Uh, the reaction, I have to say, uh, going along with what Laura said, we were pretty proud of what we were we were doing, and um, and now to be told that we're going to have a vampire on the show, I remember Joan Bennett. Everybody thought ghosts and ghoulies and what oh, next? Now it's just got this is silly. Halloween. <laughs> oh just my silly. God! Now we've turned into a Kitty Fright show, um, and uh, Jonathan won the day. Uh, we were on the air with our enormous cult success because uh, of what Jonathan created. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's amazing too. Is that, you know we were talking about those flashback things. 
The beauty of 1795 is it allowed him to become that sympathetic character mm -hmm. because suddenly you saw him before he was a vampire. Before the curse. Right. Yeah. And then suddenly now you understand why he is the way he is. It, it was amazing how it filled in yes. so much and made the audience fall in love with yeah. the character even God more. God bless I him. I, I miss him. I wish he were here with us. Uh -huh. I, yeah. I mean, he was just – and that wonderful voice of his. Yeah. Yeah, he Absolutely. was he was darling. You know, we were talking about the fandom. The thing I'm very curious about is because I never traveled from way down in Brooklyn all the way to Manhattan where you guys shot. But when kids started showing up outside the stage doors, what was that like to suddenly have this crowd of people? Because that suddenly just kind of happened, didn't it? After the show, well, if jumped? I if I were on the subway platform when the kids got out of school, they would start screaming. Yeah. And they would run to the other end of the platform or up the stairs to get away from me. I took my kids to the baseball game. <gasps> whole group of people. And then everybody's shouting and, and not coming for an autograph, but fleeing because I was, <laughs> because I was the mot. You know, I was the witch. I, could, I did these horrible things to people, stuck pins and dolls and made people choke and die and... and uh, and but on the other hand, as we said earlier, you know, they loved my character because she was she was tough and strong. Right. Yeah, and I have to say, uh, I've always thought the Dark Shadows fans were sort of a cut above. Uh, from the <laughs> they, they they are. They're, I think they're they're attracted to the many elements that we've already uh, addressed. Right. Uh, they the the show's content appealed to them and the characters and so on, but. Um, from the very beginning, they were incredibly polite. I remember coming out and, in you know, they'd have their autograph books and everything, but it was always Miss Scott, Miss Parker. Oh, I know. They, yeah, it was just we've never breathless. in all of, all of it, yeah. our exposure through the, the, the conventions. I don't think I have ever experienced a moment of rudeness. Wow. Yeah. There was, a, there was a period of time when we had a couple of bodyguards. There were, you know, some of the conventions, the show was still really popular and thousands mm. of people showed up. And they'd say, you know, make room for the stars. Nobody touch the stars. <laughs> and we'd Jeez. burst out laughing. <laughs> right? Make room for the stars. <laughs> no, it was, it was funny. But, I, but no, we, we've, our, our Dark Shadows fans are truly a cut above. And, and we know them as a firsthand basis. Oh, yeah, with ghost friends yeah, now that, they, that uh, we see every year. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's really lovely. I, I feel like they've, you know, kind of grown and up of course, with us. There are probably 20 or more clubs active on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Well, Look, there are oh, and by groups. the way, can, mm -hmm. let, me, let me throw this in because this is really important for, yeah. for, for the younger actors on the show. For me, it was my very first professional job. And uh, one of the wonderful things is that the Dark Shadows fans have stayed with us uh, no matter what else we've done. And this was, this was the beginning of our careers. Mm -hmm. So they've been supportive of everything. And whether it's, you know, the books that Laura and I write or it's the other shows that we've done or uh, whatever, um, you know, that's, that's part of who they know as, mm -hmm. as, as right. us. Yes. And that's, that's really nice. We're not stuck in aspic. Oh, no, absolutely. They, <laughs> yeah. they go along with it. Yeah. You know, what, what, you talk, we're talking about the whole fan thing. and You said there's active clubs still. And earlier you mentioned the, the film. I do have to ask this question. Uh, the Tim Burton movie, first of all, drives me crazy because he and Johnny Depp said it's based on the, their memories of Dark Shadows and 
Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I searched every memory cell I have of Dark Shadows, and it did not match that movie at no. all. Uh-uh. Uh, but more importantly, it seemed like it was an opportunity oh, yes. to invig- reinvigorate the Dark Shadows fandom, and it kind of dropped the ball because of the way the movie was received. Did you feel that frustration, or did you even Terrible think Terrible frustration. Yeah. The first 10 minutes of that film were so promising. Yes. And uh, uh, let it be said, however— uh, that the Tim Burton film made a lot of money. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a, the loser that I mean, perhaps some people think. It lost but money, actually. Trade, it lost money. Uh, but it did not well overall. In hmm? well not in overall. France. Worldwide, that film. Yeah. But anyway, that's almost beside the point because it will not be remembered as a, as a success. No. And uh, well, and that's the tone was wrong because. Uh, it, it was, was a send-up. It, it, yeah. was, it was a joke between the director, the actors, and the audience. And as I said earlier, that we didn't do that. We didn't have a vampire that hung from the chandelier like a bat. Right. No. No, he was a, he was it, a sophisticated, like, yeah. intelligent man that would never have done that kind of It felt like uh, a Saturday Night Live skit. sketch. Yeah. yeah. And that was the bigger problem. The characterization, first of all, how many... Daytime television shows have giant movies made, million-dollar movies, one. Okay, (laughs) so now we need to rest on our laurels. But on the other hand, we had as many Dark Shadows movies in the works as Pirates of the Caribbean. He could have taken that franchise and turned it into something that was really remarkable. But instead, they chose a different tone. And that lack, I think, of the mystery and the commitment and the reality of our show, the lack of those things. It was, it was, you know, it was just too bad. And it also, <laughs> there was not really a story. No. And the thing that made Dark Shadows so good is the stories were, they were really well written. Conflict on every page and carrying you through, as you said, to the next day and the next day and the next day. You wanted desperately to know what happened next. You didn't want to know what happened next in Tim Burton's movie. You just knew it was going to be another set piece with, you know, her face was going to shatter right. or some amazing thing was going to happen. But you're not gripped by the story, which was the most important thing on Dark Shadows. The lovely thing is that uh, Tim Burton did invite Laura and David Selby and Jonathan, me, um, to to uh, play little roles in it and um, cameos. Um, it was the 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 last thing that Jonathan Fred did, yeah. and it was wonderful to be together again. But when I uh, I remember Laura and I walking onto that set and looking around, <laughs> and uh, it was so elaborate and uh, the 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 money spent in an hour of that filming would have paid for <laughs> a week of dark shadows. They and had it was, a harbor. Yeah, they, they had, had a harbor, harbor with, with water boats and boats. Dot, yeah, boats dotting it. And and you could, but here's the real essence of it. Uh, Laura, are you going to agree with me with this? I felt a bit of cynicism uh, among some of the people that we spoke to who mm-hmm. were playing, uh, really? you know, the, our roles. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some, just a, uh, you could feel it, and I, my heart sank. Um, I just kind of, I just kind of knew. Yeah. Yeah. It well, yeah. Helen and Bottom, Helen Carter, who was so friendly, she came and talked to us. And she was just a doll, you know. She said, "We just can't understand why Tim would want to make 
this million, millions of dollars movie on this little soap opera, you know. Thank you. I wasn't going to mention names, but (laughs) you know. And then, and you know, Eva Green. We met her. She came out, and she very gracious, and she walked the red carpet with us. And she was just, she's just beautiful and wonderful, you know. And I just, I thought, wouldn't it be nice if she said, "You have any, you know, tricks up your sleeve? Any advice on Mm. how to play this character?" Because the way most of the characters on the show were played was with an understory, you know, the depth to them. I mean, Angelique was vicious, but she was also had a broken heart and was in a lot of pain. She loved somebody desperately who, you know, seduced her and abandoned her. I mean, big stuff going on there. Yeah. Eva Green, meanie, 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 meanie witch. <laughs> oh, I'm a witch, so I'm going to be really, 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 really nasty. And that's not the way to play Angelique, and that's not the way Barnabas played the vampire. Right. And it's, I mean, I think that all the characters on our show had an amazing amount. The other side was always there, kind of, you were aware of it. And because that's what literature is, there's an understory. So I don't know. I, I, I was thrilled to be there. We expected to have some kind of a scene with lines. Oh, man, that was like some cameo. <laughs> well, no, no, we I were think, holding him up. Yeah, I yeah. think, I really think that we would have uh, had more to do. I think uh, Burton did want to do more. but I do, too. You know, it was the, it was the end of it for Jonathan. Yeah. He was frail and uh, a little bit uh, confused. And he did two takes and, and said, okay, well, you've got it now, and, and started walking off the set. <laughs> and I, I think that that was kind of the end of it. I mean, you know, looks were exchanged, and that was it. Um, well, there's a lot riding on it. Sure. And yeah. they didn't think he could carry it, whatever they had in mind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he could have. But on the other hand, he, you know, when he stood, you had this long, long ways between takes. Lighting, oh, sure. discussion. He's standing there 10 minutes, 15 minutes. He wants to sit down. He and, wants you know, to. And the, the, yeah. the, the gal who was the stage manager said, Would you like a chair? And he took his cane and he banged it and he said, I don't need a chair. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> because he was, you know, he'd yeah. been humiliated. And that's, you know, that's when I saw some looks go back and forth. They go, oh, maybe he's not, he can't be, he can't handle it. Yeah. And I was, was crying yeah. on the way home. I thought we were going to, it's such a big deal to take us all the way to London and to, you know, Pine Tree Studios. Yeah. And, and Pinewood. On, Pinewood Studios. But, you know, on the, on the, there's two sides to everything. Sure. And really, it was it was a Put great experience. Way. Nobody sets out to make a bad movie. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely true. But that, but that leaves the question, and and you know, and this is what I was saying. You could have given the franchise a shot in the arm and kept it going and reinvigorated the original series. And oh all that, yes, absolutely. Had, had it done right. So so the question becomes: You have a, like a documentary like Master of Dark Shadows. Okay, now that's a great way to reintroduce people, maybe people who don't know it, to familiarize themselves what Dark Shadows was uh-huh. all about. What is what? What can be done, in your opinions, to sort of keep this thing going beyond the original generation that grew up with it? Well, it's going to take a very fresh, new look, and uh, I, I don't know. Some somebody will come up with that. Uh, we've all made our suggestions along the way, uh, but it uh, unfortunately, uh, perhaps Dan himself uh, could have done that. Uh, he maybe should have. 
uh, when he had the chance. Well, uh, I think by the time something. they got a script, yeah. and there were many scripts written for the film. Yeah. yeah. By yeah. the time they got a script, he was gone, right? He was gone. And he and wasn't in control of no. the decisions that got made. No. But here's the thing. There is somebody out there that sees the show, loves it for the first time or has loved it for a long time, that sees the possibility. Yeah. It would be a great series. Yeah. There's Absolutely. so many. I mean, there are years and years and years of plots and, and stories. And, and by the way, how many other shows have come along that uh, are have been done by people who are uh, who were who grew up on Dark Shadows, uh, um, Buffy the Vampire, all of those all of those shows have been done by by people who were, quite frankly, and they admit it, influenced. Alan Ball. Yeah, yeah all yeah. of them. Um, influenced by Dark Shadows. Um, uh, a couple of directors have, have spoken to me about that. Um, just the use of special effects, the characters, and, and so on. So if somebody's out there, as Laura says. And a lot of the narrators on this documentary are famous people that love, you know, Whoopi Goldberg, love Dark Shadows. Yeah. Who is it? Ian... Who's doing the narration? M McShane. Ian McShane. Yeah. Alan yeah. Ball. Um. I hope what comes across is the uh, incredible genius of, of uh, Dan Curtis. I mean, yes. it, we started this uh, the same year that Star Trek started. In fact, I'm, I mean, it's, I'm Star Trek too. But Gene Roddenberry, uh, you know, was a, created something unique. Dan Curtis did to one going ahead in time, one going back in time. But mm. they started at the same time. And uh, if only <laughs> uh, Dan had maybe mm, pushed the boundaries a little bit more and, and gone in the direction of all of the things that, uh, you know, the other show did, Star Trek. Mm. They even reinvented that show. They'd done prequels and, you know, done all kinds of spinoffs. And it's a hugely successful franchise. Um, another aspect, you haven't really asked us about what Dan Curtis himself was like. And one of the things that uh, perhaps doesn't come across as enough in, in the documentary is that this was a volatile man. This man was seethed with creativity. Mm. And, uh, and, that, um, uh, and, it was, and he was a powerful person. Mm -hmm. Uh, his shoulders. He was a Leo. He was a he was a lion. Uh, that uh, that was the other thing that uh, that kind of uh, particular charisma that he had mm -hmm. was hugely effective in making all of us just want to please Dan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was he was intimidating. He was gruff. He was loud spoken. He knew what he wanted. And he's, he would say, you know, this kind of thing, Dark Shadows, is not easy to do. Not everybody knows how to do it. It's not horror. It's gothic romance. It has depth. And he would, you know, he'd kind of shake his head because he, a lot of times he didn't feel like people got what he did. Right. Yeah, I, I, I worked with him in... Um in fact, one of the one of the things that we drew on for Dark Shadows um, was the um, uh, turn of the screw. And when uh, in London, um, I did turn of the screw with Lynn Redgrave and playing Miss Jessel. And um, and it was the first thing that I I filmed in England. 
and we were way up north uh, working, of course, with an entirely English crew. I think I was the only American in it. Um, and we were in the middle of a, a, a scene. It was an outdoor scene. We were losing light. And the AD called for a tea break. Well, Dan blew up. What the insert word uh-huh. uh, is a tea break? And, I mean, all heck broke loose. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was one of those things where there was utter silence, and then, Mister Curtis, it's a union rule, mm-hmm. and Dan flapped his arms and drink. Your tea. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something I mean, Dan Curtis would But do. I just, I just, I just howled with laughter. I mean, it was, it was just too funny because, of course, I'd, I'd known him for a good four, four years working. Uh, th- that I, I, we all have our stories, and I, of that volatility, that, uh, that creativity on fire. Um, I, I, I hope there's enough of that in the documentary because it's key to this man. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, to wrap he this was up. One of those really what? fascinating guys. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, it's one, you know, one of a kind, really. Absolutely. When you look back from, you know, the start in 1966, here we are in 2019. Overall, when you look back at the whole shebang of dark shadows, I'm just wondering what each of you are left with feeling-wise when you look back at this whole thing. Gratitude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a word. <laughs> no, I, 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 it was my first professional job. And when it was over, I went to California to be a movie star. I had everything I needed, right? You know, experience and big, nice eyes. and So I did, did a lot of jobs on TV. But, you know, after about 20 years, I went, uh, it was the best, best part I ever got. Angelique was the best. You know, enabled me to write the novels. It gave me a following that I still have. And uh, it was a wonderful part. And for me, Dan Curtis was the chief catalyst in my life. The very first professional job was Dark Shadows. My first job filming in England uh, was Dan. My first job in Hollywood, that was Dan. And he nurtured me. He nurtured my career. Uh, When I started writing uh, books, uh, he was hugely supportive um, he's, he, he, I, I, I wonder if he isn't still on my shoulder. Mm. So when I say gratitude, it, it, it's, uh, my career is Dan Curtis. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. Lots of gratitude. And you would have our gratitude if you subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends about it and give us a five-star review. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>